0: Gratitude. Gratitude. That's my everyday. attitude. Gratitude. 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 What's up everyone? Welcome to another episode of Quantum Coffee. This one is, uh, it's really special. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're calling it Quantum Crypto. I got Two of my really good friends, uh, Larry and Dr. Mike, both have been on the podcast and we thought it would be a lot of fun because cryptocurrency is becoming, um, you know, bigger and bigger. And, you know, like a year ago is when I first started kind of buying Bitcoin. Didn't really understand it at all. I remember in 2017 um, when the the bull market and Bitcoin went from like a couple hundred bucks to 20,000 and then it crashed back down and I didn't get involved then because I didn't really understand it. Um, but with uh, the way the world is right now and everything that's kind of shifting collectively, um, I started kind of getting more into it uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. I think the pandemic really kind of woke me up to a lot of these different concepts of decentralized decentralized finance. And um, now with the government kind of printing money on demand and what that means for hyperinflation, um, I'm a real believer in, in not just Bitcoin, but cryptocurrencies, de- decentralized finance, and Uh, Just the blockchain technology and how our entire world is going to eventually be built on this technology. It is very early stages, but kind of wanted to get my friends on here. A couple of crypto degenerates. Um, I do want to make a disclaimer. This is not financial advice, but we just kind of jam out and have a lot of fun talking about our own journey in crypto, our own lessons. We have both kind of all three of us have kind of dove into the rabbit hole pretty deep. Um, watching YouTube videos, trying to educate ourselves, learning about different coins, altcoins, Bitcoin, uh, the volatility, how to handle it, how to get in. So if you are new to crypto and you kind of want a little base, um, I don't even know if it's knowledge, but just kind of start getting your feet wet with uh, the understanding. I think if you want to get into the space, uh, it's really important to educate yourself. Um, there is a lot of information out there, uh, and I hope this, you know really cool conversation really opens your eyes to the power that crypto has to really change our world in some pretty positive ways. Uh, And I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. It's a lot of fun. It's long. Uh, We talk more than just crypto. We talk about the state of the world, um, all of these massive shifts that are taking place and kind of our perspective on what's going to happen and how to navigate it. You know, it's interesting times. And all I can say is buckle up. It's going to be one hell of a ride. And I hope you enjoy this podcast, Quantum Crypto with Mike and Larry. Before we get started, though, I want to announce or just talk about my company, The Heart Collective. Um, we, have, uh, we host our first retreat in June. It went absolutely incredibly well and really excited about our next retreat coming up first weekend of September. Former male professional athlete. If you are looking to connect with other former pro athletes and you want to get out in nature, we're doing a whitewater rafting excursion, limited availability. Go to theheartcollected.com, check it out. If you're not an athlete, we got some really cool content for you as well. Hosting masterclasses at least a couple of times a month with a wide variety of thought leaders, experts, coaches in a wide variety of different fields. Um, go to theheartcollected.com, check it out, sign up for the newsletter, uh, and stay up to date with all of the amazing things we're building out. Also, want to shout out um, my wife's company, growmotely.com. They are changing the world. Uh, there's a link in the show notes if you are a uh, you know, a business owner looking to grow your team fully remotely um, worldwide talent pool to choose from. They have a whole automated process. It makes hiring um, remote employees seamless and it's very, it's, it's incredible. It's going to change the world and really excited to be on this journey with her. Um, if you're also, if you're looking for work on the other side of that and you want to find a job that you can have the freedom to travel and, create a life of freedom but also have um the energy to put into a vision that you really care about go to grow, growmoly.com check it out uh really amazing space and um use the link in the show notes because i get an affiliate kickback if you hire somebody through that link i really appreciate it yeah without further ado thank you guys so much for the support oh and if you're not a premium member There's an extended episode. These are all extended episodes for premium members. And we talk a little bit about our favorite coins and um, kind of some of our secret sauce at the end, but it's only for premium members. So right now, if you're not a premium member and you want access to this extended content, it's only $7 a month. Go into the show notes, click the link, sign up right now. You get basically everything from the, the free feed, but you get extended episodes, uh, bonus feature episodes, plus access to live podcasts that I'm gonna end up doing, plus other content. You're not gonna wanna miss that. So just pause right now, go down to the show notes, sign up, $7 a month, and you'll be able to listen to the whole thing without being interrupted, going straight into the premium extended episodes. If you don't feel called to support the podcast financially, you, the best way to do it is just pause it right now, go leave a five-star review, and that would really help in you know growing my audience and getting this podcast on the map. For everybody that's been following me and listening for so long, I love y'all, appreciate y'all. And this is a really fun episode. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Quantum crypto, boom. All right, what's up everyone? Welcome to a very special episode of quantum coffee. We're calling it quantum crypto because crypto is all the craze nowadays. And I got a couple of degenerates here. Both of them have been on the podcast, Larry and Dr. Mike. Dr. Mike, this is like the seventh time he's been on the podcast. Um, (laughs) Part of the genesis of this entire podcast. Our conversations have been so epic. Larry, really excited to have you on talking crypto. Where should we start? I mean, this crypto craze, right? It's becoming a lot more in our awareness, a lot more accessible. Um, Not really understanding what crypto was for me personally, six months ago, and really diving into the rabbit hole deeply. I mean, it's funny. I was just talking to Sarah. um, You know, when I was up at like 3.30, 4am to my turn to watch Luca in like the first like three to four weeks when it was really intense and the sleep schedules were all off. All I did was uh, watch crypto YouTube videos of all these YouTubers talking about crypto. So really learned a lot about the space, but I just want to also say that I have a very, very small sliver of understanding, but I'm starting to understand the bigger picture and kind of what's going on collectively. And I thought it'd be really cool to bring these two guys on. We kind of talk about crypto a lot, um, different altcoins, the major coins, Bitcoin, all these different things. And we kind of just want to make it really accessible for anybody that might have an interest in crypto, and just hear a couple uh, degenerates talk about it, uh, who have really no idea what they're talking about. Uh, and I do need to say, like they say on all the YouTube videos, this is not financial advice. This is just educational content. Little disclaimer. Larry, talk a little bit about your crypto journey over the last uh, couple of years. Have you been in it for a while?
1: Oh, absolutely, and and it's exciting to be here, especially because. Um, We all do have different backgrounds and how we got into the space. And what's exciting is that Dr. Mike has been in the crypto space for a while, but just sitting on the sidelines, he's quiet about it. It's But for for me, I mean, very similar to your path, Joe, where I became very urgent about crypto about, I would say, roughly eight months ago. I knew that this was a technology that was going to absolutely disrupt the world that we live in. but it became more clear how that disruption was going to happen. So I started going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. Obviously, YouTube is um, a great facilitator of knowledge when it comes to learning about crypto. Um, there's a lot of opinions, but there's a lot of people who <clears throat> give you an unbiased view of what is really happening. And for me, the way I look at it as is, you think about the internet when late 90s, early 2000s. We knew that it was going to be a thing and that there was going to be some big players in that space, but we didn't really know who the players were going to be. But there is an undeniable fact that this was a technology that was going to change our lives. And just like what we're experiencing now is that there are people that are threatened by a movement and they want to stomp it out and they want to suppress it and they want it to go away. But I don't see that happening. So for me, I became very urgent about crypto when I started to understand what's happening. And we're actually, it's funny, timing-wise, we're starting to see the peak of fear within our government and all these other um, organizations that you know are, are fearful of decentralization. So for me, I just want to be on the right side of history. Um, yes, obviously, it's an investment. But um, I so my personal path was really starting to dive in through YouTube. Um, you know, I watched JRMY Crypto, I think is a fantastic channel to get unbiased news, understand what's going on, and then just I went deeper and deeper into understanding fundamentals and you know, now I'm starting to learn how to read read charts. Um, I still feel like a dumb dumb baby. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I still feel like a dumb dumb doing it, but you know, I'm 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 getting there. So um, you know. The last eight months I'd spend at least a couple hours a day on just researching and understanding the entire space and really understanding all these different projects and what they're working on to figure out, you know, where my money is best invested. Because in the end, these are the things that are going to be changing the way that we transact as humans.
0: Mm, Yeah. No doubt. And it's so early still, right? I mean. It's really exciting because this is the future and the market's obviously very volatile and it's really kind of hard to stomach if you don't have the money for it. And there's gonna be like ninety-five percent of the the coins out there or the the projects are not gonna make it through this kind of ninety-nine, two thousand internet bubble that crashed. But if you would have invested in Amazon or Facebook or these like companies that survived that and just stayed invested in them, you'd be, I mean, ten thousand extra money right now or whatever it is. And so it's really, really exciting to get Involved in this, and even when I first got involved in seeing all these crazy gains, it was like I had a little bit of FOMO, so I like tried to get my money as quick as possible. But it's still so early. I think someone said is like one percent of the population has the awareness and is actually really into investing in crypto and sees it as the future. And so one percent of the population is it, there's just so much opportunity to really create some long-lasting wealth uh, for the future. But it really does take educating yourself. Um, as much as you can, and that's definitely what we've been spending the last like six months or so doing. Um, Mike, talk a little bit about your crypto journey. I know you went through the last kind of run where it where it shot up to ridiculous amounts. I think it was like twenty grand is what it got up to Bitcoin, and then it kind of crashed. And so these these kind of four year cycles and bubbles, and we're kind of coming back around. And um, I would love for you to share too. I I don't know if you want to share it publicly, but he just told us that you know he 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 learns other things on YouTube as well, not just <laughs> which I think is a really fascinating story, but Why don't you kind of share your little crypto journey and then we'll kind of dive into the weeds of of what crypto is and our understanding as small as it is. Uh, We'll try to do our best.
2: So, I mean, I think how I got into crypto is it's kind of an interesting story because it just reflects the insanity of my life. Um, I was in Peru and uh, my roommate at Blue Morpho was a gentleman named Joshua who became one of my very, very close friends. And about a month left after we went to Peru, this is in 2015, He tells me about this thing called Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, when I was in my ceremony in Peru in December, the spirits came to me and told me that I was going to invest my money in Bitcoin. And at the time he had no clue what the hell Bitcoin was and then he did all his research and then he told me about it. So the, my first Bitcoin was in 2015. And I bought my first Bitcoin for 435 bucks, I think.
0: Woo! Yeehaw! I love it. So you are sitting pretty, huh?
2: So, yeah. So, I mean, since then, it's kind of been an interesting journey. So I, I bought a few Bitcoin at that time. And then, you know, I kind of followed it. I didn't really invest much more than that. Um, but what happened was things started really, really moving in like 2016, 2017, when after the Bitcoin halving. So there's these cycles that start when Bitcoin kind of halves and it starts this kind of cycle that creates this bull run. Historically, it creates almost like a parabolic move at the end. Uh, and then everything kind of drops. So 2017, 2018, Bitcoin went up to about $20,000. It was, in, I believe, December of 2017. And then after that, the altcoins followed and the empire move and Everything spiked up. Uh, it was kind of new to me. So I lost everything that I gained. Well, I didn't sell it in time, to the amount of um, And having gone from making so much money to losing it all uh, was kind of traumatic for me. So I left the 2017-2018 bull run like a little bit shell-shocked. Like most people that went through 2017-2018. I think most people that went through 2017-2018 left that feeling like, holy shit, what the hell happened? I had all this money and then the next thing you know, it's just all gone.
1: Did you sell? Did you sell your coins?
2: No, no, no. I didn't sell. I stayed uh, in it the whole
1: time. So nothing so, was lost. <laughs> yeah. You only lose when you sell. So
0: nothing was Locking lost. Locking Yeah. I love it. So if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button. Uh, we're just having fun jamming about crypto right now. And, you know, this is kind of our own journey, but I'd love to dive in just to share our kind of own personal understanding of what crypto is and, and the power that it really has. And there's a lot to dive in here so we can kind of just flow, but um, maybe let's talk about Bitcoin as the kind of first cryptocurrency and the algorithm that it's built on and kind of the, the backend, how it actually works. And from my brief understanding, there's gonna be, the scarcity is one of the biggest things, right? There's only so many Bitcoin that will ever be printed and that's 21 million. And Dr. Mike was talking about that, the Bitcoin halvings, which I think happened about every four years, And so, you know, there's a lot of terminology they use like mining Bitcoin. So what miners do that in order for it to be decentralized, there's not a kind of intermediary party that handles the ledger. It's kind of distributed amongst people that have the computing power to approve transactions and basically handle it. And that's through all these different systems. And those people that decide to do that set up, you know, this, this kind of higher tech, good kind of processing cards to process transactions. And those people are called miners. And what happens is Every time you approve transactions, there's a competition of all the people that are mining to approve the transactions and the people that do it get a fraction of a Bitcoin every time they do. And so Bitcoin is getting paid out to the people that are helping it be decentralized and kind of helping the system work. And the halving happens when each one of those Bitcoins every four years, when the halving happens, you're going to make half as many Bitcoin for the same amount of processing power on the ledger, right? And I think at this time, there's about 18.5 million Bitcoin printed. And so over the next, I don't even know how long until all of them are going to be available, but it's just going to continue to have until there's like, the whole world is going to be fighting for that one Bitcoin. And since it's scarce, it's, if there's only a set number of amount, that's what's going to keep the value going up. Um, and then we can kind of talk into the, the altcoins and utility of all the different blockchain technology, but let's kind of describe a little bit of Bitcoin. Go ahead, Larry, what do you got?
1: Well, something came up. So currently right now, there are 48 million millionaires that exist within the world. And You said there's 18.5 million Bitcoin. And now I'm watching all these ledger wallets go out into the public, which eventually there's, there's a lot of people that are going to lose those coins. It's going to drop to like 15, maybe 13 million Bitcoin.
0: That are but available e-
1: because some of them get lost in these wallets <laughs> that they lose access to, right? Correct. So now you think about it. So now there's 48 million millionaires. Now, if every single one of them just wanted to have one Bitcoin, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. So the the scarcity does become real. And I've I've I have a lot of faith, especially in the younger generation, because they value digital assets a lot more than gold and silver. You know, so when we think about what we're investing in, we're not investing in what's working now. We should be looking further down the road in what the future really sees as valuable. So to me, I'm not a big Bitcoin holder. Um I like holding altcoins. Uh but eventually the plan was to, you know, move some of that currency into Bitcoin because ultimately it is going to be the the store of wealth. And I, I do believe transacting on Bitcoin is going to be difficult because what you're describing proof of work um is is a it's a tricky concept. It requires a lot of computational power to to manage, and it's not really designed for for um, for transacting. But for holding and keeping value, I think Bitcoin is going to be a huge long term asset that's going to continue to grow.
0: Mm. Yeah, as a store of value, right? It's it's almost like referred to as a digital gold because of the scarcities, and and I don't think it's necessarily going to be the thing that is gonna be used as the currency because of the transaction part, but the technology, there's going to be winners in the space that create the technology and create the community around it. Um, and one thing I do wanna mention with the with the only about 15 million available because of like, there's four or 5 million that have lost forever because people lost their password and codes. In, you can split one Bitcoin up into eight, eight decimal points deep, right? So it's not like one Bitcoin, it's, you can like kind of fraction it up into those eight and the smallest, um, unit is called a Satoshi, which is Satoshi Nakamoto is the you know, synonym or pseudonym for the person that made it, group of people, whatever it is. He's anonymous. Nobody really knows who created it, which is kind of adds to the mystique of the whole thing, which I think is really quite fascinating um, that a decentralized thing. And then the person that created it is not taking credit. Maybe there's a longer term play where this person comes out and he's the person that mined all these Bitcoin and he becomes one of the wealthiest people in the world because of it. I think there's a lot of different theories out there about that. Um, But yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, Bitcoin. I don't know. Let's talk about altcoins. Because you talked about altcoins. So what's the difference between like Bitcoin and then you start talking about these altcoins and how do they play a role in this new development of of cryptocurrency and blockchain technology? Yeah,
2: yeah, I'll start off from kind of what was going on back in the day in 2017, 2018. So you had... You know, your Bitcoin, and we just kind of went over that, and then they started coming out with wow, these other coins that are based on the same, or similar blockchain technologies, but kind of using different formats, right? And so you have Ethereum, and they started coming out with these things called smart contracts, which are these like contracts that are written into the into the blockchain that will enable, like for example, if you want to. You know, sell something. There'll be the contract that's like directly written into that into that blockchain. So now you're getting all these coins that are coming out with their own kind of code based on 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 blockchain that have like different utilities. Like back in 2017, we we're talking a lot about XRP being used as a remittance coin. You know, for like cross-border transactions and bank transactions and stuff, to save you know billions and billions of dollars. And for the transaction to happen, you know, quicker and more efficient, um, you know. And then since then, the the space has developed almost like infinitely to where you have different uh, different uh, smart contract platforms. And so not just Ethereum, you have another smart uh, smart contract platform called Polkadot, another one called Cardano, another one. Called Solana, and then off of these smart contract platforms, you can have an infinite number of, of uh, let's call them parachains, right? And you can develop, I don't know, it just, it just, it just kind of goes exponentially. And, and me, like even dis- discussing it and describing it, my brain is kind of expanding exponentially to what to me is, is the most exciting or one of the most exciting things about cryptocurrency in general is decentralized finance, which is the ability for people, just regular people and unbanked people from rich to poor to lend and borrow money
0: and earn interest on their crypto without the banking system. Yeah, Yeah, I I think think the biggest thing is, right? Like when we talk about decentralized finance and cryptocurrencies right now, especially in the U.S., We have to use a third-party intermediary to transfer money. So if I have $20,000 in my bank account, I can't really access that unless I get permission from my bank. It's closed on the weekend. So if I need money, I can't really go withdraw it. And then if I want to wire over a certain amount, I think it's like a thousand bucks. I actually need to go into the bank, sign papers, get permission to send my money over from my bank to Larry's bank. And then it takes time and it costs money. And so this, this idea of really evolving past needing that because of the technology that we've been able to develop and this, these smart contracts, the really exciting thing is there's a lot more utility besides finance, right? It creates this transparency where everything is tracked on the ledger, on the blockchain, and you can actually go back and look. So if you do a transaction, um, I think a, a good example is like, let's say you have a smart contract for your house and you are the owner and you have a contract and every builder that comes to work on your house their smart contracts interacting with your house as a smart contract and you know for five years down the line if let's say your plumbing's broken you can actually go back and see who built it what materials they use it's all there for you to see and if you sell that house there's going to be a history that is tracked through the blockchain the ledger and you know there's even more utility past that it's it, it, they're, they're talking about using it for voting systems right because you you can't mess with it it's 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 transparent you get you get a code a number you Put in your vote. And so there's really exciting use cases for this technology to really infiltrate. And I've heard, you know, I had someone on the podcast, I think it was it was Ted um Moskowitz. Uh, you guys can go listen to his past episode. We talked a little bit about this, but he says, you know, right now you wouldn't say, yeah, I built my I built my business with the internet. It's just like it's a part of our lives, right? Like back in 99, 2000, everybody knew it was this really exciting thing. Ten years from now, You're not gonna be like, hey, I built my business with blockchain. It's gonna be such a part, it's it's gonna be obvious, right? And so there's a lot of exciting use cases. And one thing I think I hear from a lot of people that that we can kind of talk talk through and talk about is you know, Bitcoin doesn't have any value. There's no inherent value, right? It's 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 not backed by anything. And so, you know, for me, that was a big thing too. It's like it's kind of this this fake thing that was created, but even all monetary systems are just energy, right? It's a belief structure. So people that believe in it. It's gotten to a point where so many people believe in it. It's going to exist on what scale and what kind of cryptocurrency makes it out on top. That's you know up for debate and like what's going to happen because that's constantly shifting. But the technology is here to stay. So why don't you guys talk about uh, maybe Larry talk about kind of Bitcoin and how it has value if it's not really backed by anything, and then you can kind of bring in fiat currency and, and the belief system around that.
1: Well, that microphone right there in front of you doesn't have value unless somebody is willing to pay you for that microphone. Mm. I mean, n- nothing truly has value. Um, I just find that the the old guard has a hard time understanding. There's a lot of people that still don't embrace the fact that the internet is a thing. But there is the old guard that absolutely doesn't see that there's value in Bitcoin. And they say it's a scam. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy because we're going to look back about 10 years down the road at these times and a lot of these comments are not going to age very well. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very urgent about keeping as much of my money out of US dollars as possible. And I think most countries' fiat currency is at risk, especially post-COVID. There's a lot of minting of new dollars that has, has um been brought into the public. So for me, the best protection of my my value of my worth is by putting it into something that I know has the potentiality to not diminish f- a minimum of five percent every single year which is the u s dollar so yeah uh, let me let me just kind of just so
0: so so what Larry's talking about is this idea of and potential for hyperinflation like inflation happens naturally which is the devaluing of the dollar by printing money I think they try to keep it under three percent a year but when you add money through stimulus packages, like the ones they've done multiple times throughout COVID, um, you know on the surface, it looks like a good thing because they're trying to take care of people who maybe can't work, trying to keep the economy afloat. But the more money that you print and put into the system actually devalues the dollar, which is what inflation is. And if you do that too much, it creates this runaway. And there's plenty of examples throughout history where governments have done this and they haven't been able to get it under control. One example is in a book I was reading It happened in Germany in like like the early 1930s, and it went from they they were they were actually printing one trillion dollar notes because their hyperinflation got so out of hand that it went from like you know one twenty dollar bill to twenty dollar bill in the U.S. Over three years, that twenty dollar bill was worth you know like one a one trillion dollar note was worth twenty U.S. dollars, and that's the devalue of their currency, and it's really a quite frightening thing, and you look back at how much money we've printed and put into the system over the last year, I think it's like 35 or 40% of the money in circulation was printed in the last year and a half. And it's fascinating. The cool thing about understanding that is, you know, what fiat currency isn't really real either, right? And especially if the US government or the Fed, I don't really know how all of that works in the weeds, but they can just print money out of nowhere. And it's making me question like, why am I even paying taxes if they can just print money and use it to build things? And the cool thing about Bitcoin and these cryptocurrency technologies is nobody can print more Bitcoin. It's a finite amount and it's going to stay that way forever. And so I think understanding that, you know, it's 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 definitely a place to put some money in, and it's definitely very risky still, and it's very volatile. So it's not like we're saying like put half your money in there. But I've come to a point in realization that. You know, at this point, I think it's pretty reckless if you don't put at least 1% of your portfolio in either Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies because it's so early still, but it's it's really smart to diversify into the future of what that is. Mike, anything to add? Yeah, but,
2: yeah I, mean, I, I mean, you brought up the fact that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a fact, but the, the remark that Bitcoin is risky, but it's been one of the best performing assets since its inception. I mean, volatile, yes, but... I don't know about risky. It's it's uh, you know it's gone from nothing to sixty thousand dollars in ten years, and uh, it's getting more and more and more adoption. So you know, is it? I don't know about risky. It's it's a great performing asset. Um, I think with anything that that's a new adoption, you got to have the balls to fucking in. You know what I'm saying? And I think the three of us kind of live on the edge a little bit. So um, we have a little bit more risk
0: tolerance, don't we? Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And you have to have that risk tolerance to to be in the in just in the crypto market because of the volatility. But as far as assets being, uh, you know, increasing in value over the last ten years, I mean, you, you can't do much better than Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. And there's not very many other assets to protect against hyperinflation, right? And you know, I think one of them is, is real estate and doing a, a 30-year loan because you're basically borrowing money into the, as the money devalues over time. You're actually paying back less money in your purchasing power. And that's pretty much it. I mean, a lot of people are talking about commodities like gold and silver. I've I got some personally myself. I think that's a great place to go. But this, this new emergent technology of cryptocurrencies, we've never really had access to something like this. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how it really kind of takes over and the resistance and, and kind of the, you know, the powers that be maybe trying to fight against it. I think it's so small right now that it's really not kind of showing up. Larry, what you got?
1: Uh, well, because you say the powers that be, and <clears throat> today especially, we're starting to see a narrative form. So Venezuela just... Announced that Bitcoin will now be legal tender within their country. So immediately, the United States responds because that's a threat to the U.S. dollar. So as long as the American can keep printing dollars and we don't take those dollars and move them to some other currency, then we're we're safe. So now you're starting to see, you know, our country form a narrative around Bitcoin to create. Fear, so they're they're taking the angle of Bitcoin is um, you know environmentally not uh, a sound um, investment, but the thing is seventy percent of all Bitcoin mining uh, miners use sustainable energy of some sort. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so there's there's so much there's such a lack of knowledge that exists in the policymakers, and they're trying to manage this through a space of fear. And to me, like, that's where the red flag always goes up is if somebody is trying to make me take action from a space of fear, like now I'm starting to pay attention. What, what is your core, core intention, you know, for, for the United States? It's okay. We need to keep printing money and, but we have to keep making it valuable. And it's just, it's not realistic. It's not a, it's not a good long-term play in my eyes. So. I mean we're we're in the midst of right now you know Elizabeth Warren was the the person that's kind of leading the charge right now with with this narrative around the you know inefficiency of bitcoin and and it's tough because most people don't really understand it I mean it you know it even took me a lot of time to really deeply understand it so they just see a headline and they respond and they react and they go oh bitcoin bad and then the problem is is that then everyone associates all cryptocurrencies, all projects with Bitcoin. And yes, like Bitcoin is inefficient compared to a lot of these other projects that are proof of stake, which is something we can go a little bit deeper in um, if if we choose to. But yeah, I would
0: love to kind of get your thoughts on, on the difference between proof of work and proof of stake because I'm unfamiliar with it as well, but you can finish your thought and we'll dive into that in a little bit.
1: Yeah. So the, the problem though, is that all people hear is Bitcoin and they lump the entire universe into one thing because that's the surface level understanding that most people have. But then there's projects like Cardano is my favorite project personally, not financial advice. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a big advocate for Cardano because they're creating a system that's hyper-efficient. It uses one one millionth of a I think it's one one millionth of the power consumption that Bitcoin uh, uses to transact. So, do you know how they do that? Like why? Is that the proof of stake, proof of work difference? Correct. So proof of... So now this is where I'm going to butcher this, but... Not um, financial you know, pro- advice. We are newbies. <laughs> just, a, just a disclaimer. <laughs> but do yeah, not I mean, take I mean, what we're f- saying and go tell your friend that this is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean so proof of stake is the 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 newer platform that smart contracts are being built upon and the the, they call it proof of stake because it's managed by people who actually own that asset so now instead of having a few um bitcoin miners with their their pc rigs um they originally were the ones that would like determine you know which transactions are real or not now with proof of stake you can and also have, get
2: reward and also get rewarded for that. Too.
1: Co- correct. Yeah, Now with with proof of stake, uh, anyone with a home PC can now be involved in the network. the network. Correct. So you don't. It doesn't require these massive farms, and it becomes even more to me. It becomes even more decentralized because it's spread out amongst um, the people who own more of that that coin. So it's the the reason it's. The reason it's a better system is because it is. It, so suppose I own a considerable amount of Cardano, which we were talking about. It would behoove me to um, make decisions that aren't in the best interest of the coin. So it, it's it's basically whoever is like more deeply invested in it. You're not going to un. You're not going to make decisions that um, are that go against the currency essentially um I'm, I'm kind of butchering it mike i'd love to hear your perspective on this because i know you're you're a polka dot lover you love smart contracts
2: so you didn't butcher it by lending out your your coin to the network You become part of the network which which increases of the network, too, right? Because so the more people that are part of it the get through, and you don't have these bottlenecks. So if you stake your, your Cardano, you get rewarded, What I think 5.7, 6%, 7%. You know, uh, if you stake and become part of the Polkadot network, you can, up, you know, in some cases, 12%,
0: 30, 13%. Mikey, you're a little bit choppy the coin. Mike's Mikey. Oh no, we're losing him. Mikey. Uh, we're going to, we're losing uh, you. I'll just mute him. And then we're going to come back to him.
2: All uh And right, we'll get back to me then. <laughs> Mikey's
0: Mike, Mike, driving from New York city, back to his house in Staten Island. So he's, he's in a lot of traffic and calling in from the road, which is totally cool because love his perspective, we'll wait till he gets a little bit better service. Uh, anything to add, Larry? Mm. Let's talk about, let's talk about all coins because when you're talking about like Bitcoin, right? Everybody lumps all this cryptocurrency, this new basically technology of blockchains, de- blockchain, blockchain de- DeFi um, into Bitcoin, right? It's like kind of one and the same and eventually it's going to kind of widen out and, and become its own asset because I think it already is developing, but the market definitely follows Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin goes down we just had a huge like correction. I think it was like 40 or 50% going from like around 60 grand down to like 30 grand. But the cool thing is there's a lot of resistance. It's not really going past that limit, which is really cool to create that new floor. But um, there's a lot of volatility, right? And I think it, the, the, the market dominance is a big, big key indicator for, um, for cryptocurrencies and the traders. And so I think it's around 40, 45% of the money in the crypto market is in Bitcoin. And then the other 55, I think there's about 20% in Ethereum, because that's like the next one that's doing a smart contract, which is different than Bitcoin, the technology that you're using, and then kind of all these altcoins. And right now there's, 10, I think, 10,000 plus different coins, different projects. Um, and it's really hard to decipher what it is, what to invest in. So maybe talk about the difference between Bitcoin. We talked about smart contracts, but then all these other altcoins in the, and the different utilities that are coming up in these different projects. And, how to really find the ones um, that you think are going to make it, because there is a lot of opportunity here, but it is really risky. I mean, all of us have been in coins that are just literally little pump and dumps where you're like trying to make a quick buck and trade it out, and then they just crash down to nothing, uh, but
1: then I've never make it. so <laughs> never never been involved with one of those. Nope. That's mm-hmm. never happened. <laughs> Oh, those dirty late night altcoins that are just kind of definitely wouldn't take home the mom. Those back alley coins. (laughs) Somebody comes up to you in a trench coat and says, hey, you want some coins? Yeah. I may or may not have invested in some of those. (laughs) I
0: mean, there's a couple of projects. Like one of them comes to mind is is this project called Helium. And it's a Mm -hmm. decentralized, um, basically like internet cell service, like you know we have to go through at t or verizon or the our Google Fiber, like these internet companies. And what this company is doing is you get a uh, basically like a modem that they create custom for this thing. You plug it into your house and you provide basically that internet for your immediate vicinity and neighborhood. and the the idea is the more people that can kind of do this, while you're providing them with that service, you're actually getting paid in the helium token. Um, that's just a real world utility example of this. We talked about the smart contracts with the houses and everything and. And the voting and all these different different projects. So, what are some uh, some different projects that you see out there that actually have utility building on this blockchain technology?
1: Well, it's funny you say helium. So, <clears throat> so my mentor in life, I have a uncle Michael who is um, like very conservative kind of guy. Um, he's an old Wall Street guy, and he um, taught me everything I know about like business management, leadership, and. But he's he's. Not somebody that I would ever imagine being in in the crypto space. So I wind up like opening the the, the conversation with him with a little bit of curiosity, and he's like, "Oh yeah." I'm in. He's like helium. Sure. He, so now he has a helium. Uh, I think it's a modem or a router. He yeah. has one of those in his house, and he has multiple that he's been deploying at other people's houses. So I'm like, whoa! <laughs> like pump the brakes. Like I was very impressed with the fact that like this is somebody who's extremely conservative, but is also in the space. Um, but yeah, so so um, it's it's interesting because you know the thing I look at is. Like, what are the things that have longevity? What are we, what do I see myself as a consumer transacting upon? That's the lens that I look at a lot of this through. Um, so with Bitcoin, going back to the point, like, we're not going to really transact on Bitcoin. It's not not really going to be a, a thing. But there's um, different platforms like Kusama, Polkadot, ADA, that are creating real world application where, so I have a car dealership. Um, don't judge me. So, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm in that space, but I can-
0: a most woke car dealer in
1: New Jersey. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> possibly the world. I was going to say, it's a low bar. New Jersey, there's not a lot of woke <laughs> people in New Jersey. <laughs> no. no no offense to my New Jersey brethren. So mm. it's, um. so there are, you know, I can see within three years, that our vehicle contracts are going to be on smart contracts. So platforms like Polkadot or Cardano, which is ADA, I can see us actually utilizing that for customer transactions. So I look at projects that we are going to be using in our daily lives. Those are the things that are going to have longevity. That's the thing. Those are the things that we're going to that are going to continue to grow in value. So at the peak of this bull market, we got to a 2 trillion dollar market cap which it sounds like a lot and it's a significant growth from where you know bitcoin and all the other alts were years ago but realistically that's such a low ceiling like v- v- minimum i believe in the next 2 to 3 years you're going to see about a 10 trillion dollar market cap for all of these so that means that with me if I own ADA and I'm buying it at $1.50 right now, it's going to be worth probably $15, you know, based on, on, on market cap. So realistically, I'm looking at projects like ADA, like Polkadot, that have that longevity because in the end is that. I know dollars spent right now are going to grow because the projects that aren't really, you know, helping um, human problems, they're not, they're not actually fixing anything are going to go away. Like there's a lot of these like shit coins, I guess you'd call them, um, you know, like SafeMoon and Shiba Inu. And, and there's a lot of coins that have, have come up to, they the don't solve all-
0: it. right? Everybody's talking and, about Dogecoin
1: doge and they don't really solve a, uh, an issue like so they they're 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 going to see a catastrophic rise as everyone fomos in and then crash but realistically long term they're not fixing anything they're not solving real world problems so i look at from an investment standpoint what is solving real issues within our world and that's where your money should go and mm-hmm. that's not financial advice
0: yeah and i just want to reiterate the the really amazing incredible opportunity to make some real life-changing money doing this, not financial advice, but we're talking about market cap, right? That's a big thing to look at with these coins. So if you go to something like coinmarketcap.com, it will rank in order the market caps of each coin. Obviously Bitcoin, I have it up right now. Bitcoin sitting at the top currently at $686 billion of value in the Bitcoin ecosystem. The next highest one is Ethereum, which is $287 billion. And then the you know Cardano sitting at around $50 billion. And so for Cardano, the cool and really exciting thing for Cardano and Polkadot, these smart contract ecosystems that are being created, they really have a huge chance utility-wise to really take over that market cap into the trillions of dollars once people actually start adopting this as technology that's going to be infiltrated in in everything we do in our daily lives. And so you look at the opportunity going from the $50 market cap, even to... A, a trillion dollars, which is very easily doable when more people start adopting this. I mean, that's a 20x right there. And so you're not going to find these kind of gains in the traditional stock market. And if you're keeping your money in 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 the dollar, like it's it's an obvious certainty of devaluing that asset over time. And so it's just for me in, in talking about kind of this this big global transition that we're going through in the financial markets. And I kind of want to dive deep of, of what we think is going to happen. Um, there is a huge transition happening and it's just really smart for you to just at least start dollar cost averaging into these, into some of these coins. Anything to add on that, Mikey? Uh,
2: yeah. How am I coming in now? A little bit better?
0: Yeah, you're good, son.
2: <laughs> oh God. Sorry, I was driving over the Verrazano Bridge. It's a little sketchy up there, you know? Mm. Um... Yeah, I'm. I'm with. I'm with both of you. I mean, I think there's so many different amazing projects. That number one, I do the same thing. I try to look for, for projects that I would find value in. Like shit, I need this. I would use this. Uh, I could see this changing the future of the world. Uh, and those are the ones that I'm. I'm. I'm trying to invest in. You know, you brought up ADA, ADA, Cardano, Polkadot. You know, I think Ethereum with all the decentralized finance and then you have NFTs, uh, you know, built on on Ethereum. You know, these projects are like literally changing the world and changing the fabric of how everything is being done. Um, some of the smaller projects and then that's what you got to look at. You got to look at some of the smaller projects that, OK, maybe you'll invest in that aren't the big names, like with the big market caps, like an ADA or a polka dot or a, or an ethereum uh and then you said okay how how can they change the world in the future and will be they, they will they be around and and do i like these projects what are the teams behind these projects who's behind the projects uh what kind of groundwork are they doing and you know this way you do the research and find stuff that kind of resonates with you mm-hmm. um i like i and you know, i really i mean i'm kind of obsessed with with decentralized finance and mm-hmm. and having the ability for people to, you know, get nice passive income, uh, especially people that don't aren't privy to the financial systems that that we have in, in the Western world, uh, you know, Cardano is doing a lot of great things with Africa right now. You know, banking the unbanked is um, uh, another one that I'm interested in called Telcoin. Who's a, uh, a telecommunications digital remittance coin that is also banking the unbanked and allowing uh, transactions uh, from small nations like the Philippines to all over the world uh, and they're also building a decentralized finance platform so that people don't have access to the banking system can actually gain passive income on on their on their finances so you know, I look at things like that as, as potential game changes and uh, projects like that that could affect people's lives all over the world. And those are the types of projects that really, really, really get me excited. But there's such an infinite number of projects that I don't know. everybody can search one and see how it, it kind of resonates with them and how they think it could change the world and how they can help it.
1: But what I love is is you're you're talking about, you know, projects that are building use cases in areas that absolutely need it, that their economies are are a mess and that their dollars aren't worth much, like with Cardano in Africa where if if you're in Africa and you want to get a loan, the interest rates are just obscene because their their dollar consistently loses value. So What I love is that these projects are going into places to like prove that they work. They're going to the places that actually need the most focus to like restabilize their economies. And they're proving that this technology will actually help stabilize, you know, And and it actually, the thing is, it takes the power away from the politicians. It takes a, I mean, and that's why it's, it's, it's a huge threat. But seeing, you know, all these projects start to build their use cases in these countries, all that means is that they're going to, you know, we're going to prove that, okay, we can help stabilize the economy in Africa, then it's going to expand to, you know, less and less um, deficient markets. So it's, it's, it's exciting. I mean, to me, I, I look at like, this, this is we're at like the pinnacle of change that's happening in the world. And the fear narrative is getting to be so intense because the people that are most threatened by it are starting to realize that there is a power dynamic that's shifting.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I want to reiterate the opportunity here because this is a once in a millennia type opportunity. There's going to be a huge transfer of wealth through this technology. And we are... So early still, like we said, one percent of the population's really starting to adopt this, and you look out collectively like even you know me and you, Larry, over the last six months, we've kind of adopted it, and being you know into the community and learning, there's more and more people that are, are starting to learn, starting to educate themselves, and so this is a really once in a life opportunity to get you know at least just a little bit of money in here, let it sit, and there's going to be this huge transfer of wealth that happens through this and I think a big thing that we need to kind of discuss now is, is the how to how do I get involved. In buying Bitcoin and you know, then kind of some of these dirtier alts are, you know, we talk about Bitcoin's the number one. Then we have the top 10, which are all like really high market caps that are all doing really big things. And then they're kind of the altcoins below that are very, very risky. And are, some of them are gonna pop for ridiculous gains, but finding those diamonds in the rough that are gonna be long-term solutions, because it's gonna constantly evolve. And there's gonna be like 90% of the companies that make it through this thing aren't even built yet. And so starting to educate yourself and get involved in it and just kind of tracking it and seeing what it's all about and just kind of dollar-cost averaging in, uh, especially because of the volatility. But let's talk about that, the how-to. How do people, if they don't have any idea about crypto, you know, start educating themselves? I think I would recommend we can put some links in the, in the show notes of some YouTubers that we watch that have really helped us. I know there's a few that we, we all really watch and, and, and just learn a ton about the space. But how do people get involved if they have no idea what they're doing? What's that process like?
1: for me, it's exchanges, I think are always the gateway drug. I think um, a lot of people recently that got into the crypto space, you know, saw that Robinhood all of a sudden allowed you to trade crypto where you don't actually own your coins, but they're on an exchange. So you're just, you know, swapping value with other people. I think that's always the best gateway. Um, You know, everyone always will say Coinbase. And I think that's always a good starting point. Um, for me, it was Voyager was was um, where, where I wound up doing a lot of trading and it gave me a lot of exposure to some s- slightly smaller coins, but not the tiny, tiny ones. I find that identifying an exchange that you can safely trade on is a great starting point. So the big ones would be Kraken, Voyager, or Coinbase. Um, those allow you to kind of get your feet wet and start to play in the space. Um, we can go deeper down the rabbit hole where you start to um you know get ethereum tokens and you know convert them into smaller alts but i think right now what's happening is after this last um drop in the market the alts uh, especially the smaller market cap coins are not performing very well because there's a lot of fear but those mm-hmm. are also the ones that have the most upside so anyone that's getting into the space right now that's looking to invest i would only recommend staying in the top 10 cryptos Um, there there are a lot of opportunities in these smaller coins but right now with the volatility that we're experiencing and the and the the uncertainty in the market, these smaller coins, you can lose a lot. Like I, I invested in uh, what's called Gero, Gero Wallet, G-E-R-O, um, which is a, it, it will be how we actually use Cardano to transact with other people. It's like a digital wallet on your phone. And I bought in and it's a small project, but what's happening is because there's so much uncertainty around Bitcoin, the smaller projects get absolutely decimated. I mean, you know, so if Bitcoin drops twenty percent, these small projects will drop sixty percent. Mm-hmm. But conversely, is that when things start to rise, those are the projects that ten x. Ten
0: x, hundred x. There's some ridiculous yeah, yeah. gains to be had. Uh, so technically,
2: yeah. if you have if you have a pair, now is the time to invest in some of those small projects because the market is is kind of you know struggling right now it's trying to find its way so you'll 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 actually get some of these smaller projects at a bargain it's still risky i'm not saying i'm not risky but i mean you're getting them at bargain basement prices right now
0: yeah and there's a lot of how-to videos i think jrny journey crypto is a great place to start he has like a, a kind of a educational playlist and a. One of the things I use is this, this wallet called MetaMask. And if you use Google Chrome, it's like a, it's like a, what's it called? An add-on or an extension of the browser. And so when you go onto a website, you just connect that wallet into it. And something like you have Ethereum on MetaMask wallet, you go to something like Uniswap or SushiSwap.com. I don't know if it's .com. Maybe it's, dot Uniswap.com. Maybe it's, just look it up. Yeah. And when you go in there, there's there's a, a just really simple swap option where you swap Ethereum for whatever token you search that's on the Ethereum network, and that's kind of how you can start diversifying and getting into these smaller coins. Like I said, not financial advice. I would definitely look at those educational videos on how to, because the thing with crypto is it is just basically code that's going back and forth, and if you lose access, like we we're talking about earlier with the Bitcoin, there's p- people. Who have Bitcoin in wallets that they are never going to be able to access again because they've lost the the, the key codes and passcodes to their wallets to access them. So it's very important that you keep track of that stuff and um, really protect yourself from you know even giving that information away or making it accessible because you know of the potential of hacking, which happens all the time in this space as well. So there's definitely it's it's like it's kind of the wild west right now, but just starting to get your feet wet and educate yourself on this is really a huge opportunity to really take control of your finances. You know, I think it's fascinating looking out in our world today and and being a functioning adult in society. The two things I've realized I need to interact with this reality that was created as a a human species is financial literacy and emotional intelligence. And for some reason, they don't teach either of those to us in school. And it's very um, obvious when you look out into the world that these are some of the issues um, plaguing some of the biggest problems that we're facing as a society and culture because people don't really take control and power of their financial lives and understanding the energy of money and how it works and that you don't need to know all the details of how bitcoin works but just continuing to educate yourself and just have an open mind to it be curious about what this new reality is really moving
1: into you know to that point even if you're not interested in investing in crypto blockchain anything it's important to understand what it is and how it works because this is going to be the architecture behind a lot of how we transact in the future. So nobody wants to be the person in 2009 that says, I don't do the email, yeah. you know, And and but there's still a lot of people that were like internet deniers and they just refuse to understand the internet or use it. And in the end, obviously, you know, especially post-COVID, like now, all of a sudden, those people are on Zoom calls and everything else. They had to adopt; they, they were forced to adopt. And it's going to be the same thing with the space. So, even if you're not interested in the investment side, at least understand what it is and how it works, because it is going to be something that we are. It's a re- it will be a reality in our lives. The education yeah. is important.
2: Yeah, I'm, and even in the investment side. Um, I mean, for me, I think for all of us, to be honest with you, it's this is this is long term. Like, you know, it's nice to make the, the quick gains on the dirty alts, like Larry. I mean, Larry, there's nobody that I've met. Larry gets those and, dirty,
0: dirty alts.
2: <laughs> the dirty down alts. Two like AM trading.
1: Don't tell my yeah. wife about these. <laughs>
0: the market doesn't close. <laughs> my <laughs> he's got at tonight is he's like, he's pressing that button. I don't know if I should swap for this. I, uh, <laughs> I I
1: I think my metamask wallet might have syphilis. Might I have to
2: prescribe you antibiotics? Oh, I love it. So, I no, I mean, you can have this like these quick and dirty flings with these altcoins that can give you these big gains, but I think inevitably all of us are in it for the long term.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. Right? Is is to is to if you're going to get into this space. Really find the conviction of the technology and what it's going to do for humanity in the future. Because if you get in here, be like, "Oh, everybody's getting a Bitcoin. I'm going to FOMO in. There's quick bucks to be made." The volatility of the market because it's so early right now that you know a couple the money moves and the and the the percentages shift pretty rapidly. It's gonna it's gonna kind of it's gonna be hard to stomach it sometimes to watch that. But if you can just dollar cost average in and trust that the technology is going to be the future, which is what you know, we've really developed the conviction within that, that's really what matters. If you're getting in here to invest, you're going to be suckered out. Like I think a lot of people in the market started FOMOing in in that 40% correction just a few weeks ago. I think a lot of those people are going to be fearful to put their money back in because they thought they were going to make a quick buck. Um, and so I think it's really important to start educating yourself and understanding that the impact that this is really going to have uh, for all of us in the future
2: yeah I don't care about you know the volatility the volatility is there, and maybe to be honest with you, it's like you know having dealt with the the crash in two thousand seventeen and really kind of experiencing that volatility firsthand and being a little bit traumatized from it for a little while and then coming back into the space and seeing it again, it almost doesn't phase me anymore you know it's like it doesn't phase me um. Because you know, I see the direction that it's going. Because I've seen the direction that it's gone in the past few years. And I, and I, I do. I have the conviction that this is going to change the world. Like, this technology is changing the world. Like, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. And I don't know what, it, what, it, what it's going to look like. I mean, nobody can predict the future. And I don't know if it's going to take over, you know, centralized banking or run alongside centralized banking. I have no idea. But I know it's going to change the world. I'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty sure i'm sure of
1: it and you know when you talk about the volatility one thing that people always say is zoom out so we always look at the short-term volatility so you see all these massive ups and downs but when you zoom out on the charts you see this continual pattern of growth but correct like if you see an asset go um, drop 30 40 it is a punch in the gut you're like whoa where's my money going why is it disappearing so fast but in the end is that realistically it will continue to grow if you if you just zoom out on the charts yeah and the long
0: the long game is really what we're playing as as investors right and this opportunity let's let's talk because everybody likes to talk about price predictions and i think that's a fun thing to discuss So let's talk about what we think the price is going to be in five years or 10 years uh, with the price of Bitcoin because everything else is kind of up for grabs. I guess we can talk about like Cardano and Polkadot. But right now, Bitcoin's sitting at $686 billion market cap. Like we said, there's only going to be about 15 million available. And so when people actually start really getting into this, if you own one Bitcoin, I mean, if you can get to owning at least just one Bitcoin, and you understand the scarcity of it, and that it's already a thing that is you know continuing to grow um, you know it's really quite fascinating, so it's at thirty six thousand six hundred and fifty nine dollars right now. What are the price predictions, Larry, that you think Bitcoin could reach in five years and in ten years
1: yeah, it's hard It's hard to say because um, you know i'm not a big Bitcoin holder. And my my bigger interest is in all the other alts decoupling from Bitcoin, where they're not relying on the story or the narrative around Bitcoin. Um, but to me, I do see without a doubt in the next two years, a Bitcoin will be a minimum of a hundred thousand. I think that's probably a conservative estimate of what that's going to be worth, um, regardless of what happens in this current market. You know, we're kind of going a little bit bearish, um, but. I do see it being a minimum $100,000 per Bitcoin um, because there is a lot of scarcity in, in that space. Um,
0: yeah. What about Cardano? So, Cardano is, is kind of the leading smart contract. I mean, I guess Ethereum is because Ethereum's actually working. Yeah. Cardano is still very, I think they've actually launched all of their technology. It's all like very much in this, this building phase, but they're getting very close to launching it. Cardano is at a $49 billion market cap at a price of $1.55. Where do you see that being, you know, and do you think it might top so, Bitcoin as far as total market cap?
1: Um I don't I don't think it'll ever top Bitcoin, um but but I will say that when you look at Cardano and the leadership within the the group. So Cardano was started by a guy Robert Hoskins who was the original three creators of Ethereum. So the three guys Charles. that created Ethereum. Yes, Charles Hoskins, sorry. Yes. Um so so he was um one of three people that you know were the originators of Ethereum, but he had a different um, perspective. So Ethereum's uh, philosophy is build it quick and adapt versus Cardano is like we, they understand the responsibility on their shoulders to make sure that their code is dialed in so that that people don't lose millions of dollars. So they've been painstakingly slow about rolling out their projects. So the reason Cardano is so cheap, like you can buy for $1.50 right now as of this conversation, the reason it's inexpensive is because we haven't actually seen the practical application go live yet. So um, they have... Their Gogan launch that's happening in the next month. I won't go too into the weeds with that, but you're gonna start seeing that they're they're rolling out the actual practical application of their coin. 70% of the people that own their Cardano are currently staking it, which means they're providing liquidity and they're not trading it. So what's gonna happen is as Cardano starts to roll out real use cases, they're going to there's gonna be what they call a supply shock. And people are going to try to purchase the coin, but a lot of it will be kind of tied up in staking. So personally, I mean, I've seen this prediction. A lot of other people say the same thing, but I think by year end, Cardano should be in the range of 8 eight to $10, assuming that the market stabilizes. The problem, though, is that Bitcoin has the potentiality of Completely disrupting Cardano, even though the narrative around Cardano is completely different. Like it is the most energy efficient way of transacting and like moving finances around. Yet when Elizabeth Warren goes on and talks about how Bitcoin is like this dirty thing that's killing the environment, Cardano tanks with it. So by the end of the year, I think as people understand what that project is and it gets decoupled from Bitcoin it should easily see i would say an eight to ten dollar
0: coin what do you got mike what's your what's your price predictions for for some of these coins for the market and and uh yeah
2: so i mean i think you know bitcoin i agree with larry you know possibly by next year a hundred thousand plus um you know if you go by the market cycles you know you could get a, a a bitcoin that's a little bit higher that after the market cycle ends and the bull market technically ends we could we could see a big drop to that uh, to maybe forty thousand plus. I think long term, obviously, you know because of the supply and demand and the and and just Bitcoin being just a superior asset class better than gold and and some other things. Uh, you're going to be looking at a million dollar Bitcoin eventually five, 10 years down the road. There's no doubt. I mean, there's only, I mean, you talked about how many, how many millionaires there are in the world. I mean, not, not even every millionaire is going to be able to own one, one whole Bitcoin. So if it becomes that scarce asset class, you're going to see Bitcoin prices soar eventually. Now it's got to get wider adoption, of course. Uh, but you know, like places like El Salvador and Venezuela and some of the other Central American and South American countries kind of leading the way in, in making Bitcoin legal tender is also going to create a lot more use case like Larry's talking about. Now, as far as Cardano, I mean, I, I agree, man. If their smart contracts work out uh, in August when they're supposed to do their, uh, the, the Gogan, uh, uh, whatever whatever it's called, the, <laughs> the yeah. Gogan what? The main net. The main that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean you're gonna see because of the everybody's stake in their Cardano, you're gonna see the price go up. But the thing with Cardano is I mean, there's billions, there's billions of Cardano, there's 21 million Bitcoin, so you're not gonna see like a, a million dollar Cardano or hundred dollars Cardano just because the amount of coins that they're on. But I yeah, I wouldn't surprise me to see Cardano shoot up between five and ten um, dollars.
1: And, and you touch on something. You you touch on something very important that it took me a little bit of time to wrap my mind around, and I feel that everyone just entering the space doesn't quite understand is like the total market cap of a project or a coin, um, because people just look at it and they're like, "Oh, Cardano, it's only a dollar fifty; it's cheap." And but realistically, though, is there are so many Cardano in circulation that yes, it's cheap, but it's only going to go up so much because the total market cap can only be so much for one project. And then okay. there's other people that won't get into like Litecoin because they'll, they'll look at it and they'll be like, okay, I don't want to buy a $250 coin. But realistically is like, what is the market cap? So that's the, the the thing that a lot of people have a hard time understanding in this space yeah. is that just because one is, and like, that's why all these shit coins took off is, you know, you would, you would, for like a thousand dollars, you could have tens of millions of the coin. and everyone would go into the mindset of, "Well, if it just gets to a dollar, I'm gonna have ten million dollars." Or if it goes and, to the price of Bitcoin, which eventually yeah, maybe it'll go to the price oh, of thirty thousand dollars. Could you imagine? But, oh my goodness! But, oh yeah, but even then, like there, there's a weird mindset, and this is this is how, and this is a this is a big thing that that everyone needs to be aware of is with a lot of these small coins, they have hundreds of trillions in circulation, and so you can buy a and you can have you know 10 million of a coin so people always go with this mindset of well if it just gets to a dollar i'm going to have 10 million the problem though is that they don't realize how much work it is to move one decimal place over so what winds up happening is like if you do the math for that coin to get to a dollar it would wind up having to be like hundreds of trillions of dollars it would have to be worth more than the Dow Jones worth more than every you know financial system that exists right now and it's not realistic but the problem though is that it lures in younger investors and people that don't quite understand with this promise and that like weird mindset of like if it gets to a dollar we see it with Doge and actually Doge might get to a dollar I do think it um, will
0: That's a rare case though that's 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 one that is really I mean in and you know talking about Elon Musk like how much does, one person has been able to fluctuate the market. I think that's a big worry for a lot of people as well. It's like, how can I invest in something when someone tweets something and the whole market can crash by 40%? And I think fundamentally, there's a, there's some deeper issues that kind of take place, not just him saying some stuff, but there is this idea of of FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt that comes in play big time in this market. So every little piece of news, whether a government you know adopts Bitcoin or they say they're going to have regulations or there's a new tax code on what Bitcoin and all this different stuff, every time a little article comes out, it, it it shifts the market dramatically, which is really fascinating because it, it is a lot of speculation right now. And there is a lot of just that collective narrative towards this space that is really quite fascinating. But eventually once enough people adopt it, like we talked about, 1% of the world is really engaging in this in in some sort of way. Once it starts getting to, you know, half the world plus, it's really as a market going to start stabilizing where it's not going to be as volatile and back to the incredible opportunity that you have. To get in before it stabilizes it there's the, there's going to be a huge transfer of wealth. Like I just can't say it enough, and you know I, I I talk to my friends and I think they're starting to get more interested, but they they look at it from that mainstream narrative of like, oh, yeah, Bitcoin like this, that and it's like even at thirty seven thousand dollars, like I've heard some experts talk about because I listened to some real smart people who are economists that are really getting into crypto space, and one guy talks about it's it's going to be at least you know one to to ten million dollar Bitcoin in ten years just because of the scarcity. And then once yeah. that's getting adopted, all of the money that's gonna flood into all of these other, these other coins and technologies, it's, it's gonna be astronomical.
2: It's gonna be astronomical, there's no doubt. There's no doubt it's gonna be astronomical. Um, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Listen, at the peak of the, the 2017 bull run, we're still in the billions of dollars.
0: Yeah, I think it was like 100 or 200 billion total market cap in all of crypto, and we're 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 approaching. We're at one and a half trillion right now. We did go up to two trillion before that market correction, and that's I mean, talk about the amount of money in the world. I and mean, we just printed as a government six trillion dollars just for this one time like stimulus package, you know. So the amount of money out there that's really going to start flooding into this, you know, like we said at the end of this bull market, which a lot of experts are saying, you know, a year, two years, still very early in this next bull cycle easily get to eight to 12 million or trillion dollar market cap total for the crypto space. That's an eight X just, you know, as the market. And so you can find some different coins that are going to outperform um, because you really believe in them. There's this, it's exponential opportunity.
1: Well, you know, you're touching it. You're touching on something that, that, that kind of concerns me and it's, 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 I'm creating a lot of awareness around Is that to get to that point, to get to that like 8 to $12 trillion market cap, eventually institutional money needs to get introduced into the space. So I think one of my primary reasons of getting into crypto was because I got tired of the market manipulation in the stock market. It's just like, for me, it's been a losing game. So you know, getting into this space is there's a lot less of that manipulation. But we're seeing this time around, unlike 2017, unlike the, the the and 2013, which was the other you know bull market for for crypto. We're seeing that there is this institutional investment coming into the space, and it's good and bad, and it's something that we need to have awareness around because we won't get to that 8 to 12 trillion dollar market cap unless, you know, Apple and Facebook and all these other companies start to buy into the space. But it comes with a dirty edge of that blade. And that means that there will be people who are able to manipulate the market. And we saw that this last crash was absolute manipulation. And that's the thing that, that concerns me and I have a lot of awareness around is that this is just eventually going to be some of the same machinations that we're seeing in the stock market where there's going to be the hyper wealthy pulling levers. And if they want to make a coin crash, they can make a crash within an hour. and. You know, But these are the things to be aware of is is that's the danger, that's the risk. And that's why there's so much upside to the space is because if it wasn't dangerous, if there wasn't risk, if it was easy, everyone would do it.
0: Mm. Let's talk about that a little bit because the, the ability for these kind of big, they call them whales, the billionaires that can really manipulate these markets because the market is so kind of minuscule to other markets. Like If they go in and buy $100 million with the Bitcoin, I mean, that really can shift the percentages pretty dramatically. And I guess the fear is like, without you know, you know the 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 stock market, you know the the regulations and stuff. Like you can really say like who's really running the stock market is still able to manipulate it even with regulations, and they pay fines all the time of hundreds of millions of dollars because of these insider trading. And it's it's very, you know, there's a lot of people in in powerful positions that can make a lot of money because they are insiders in the market, and so as the retail investor like us trying to get into this, you know, really beautiful, futuristic opportunity to shift the collective narrative around finance, you know, the fear is like, what happens if, you know, because it's unregulated and it's decentralized, is there any protection against, you know, the, the billionaires really manipulating us out of the market, like they kind of have already, or does it survive through that because of the the base foundation of the technology and the decentralized, you know, part of it?
2: I'd like to get into that, because here's the thing. We've had some crazy, crazy ups and downs lately. We had an over 50% drop in Bitcoin recently. Um, Market manipulation, for sure, but you only lose out when you get shaken out of the game. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people doing leverage trading that got all their lungs leveraged and, and liquidated, and their shorts leveraged and liquidated. So if you're playing that game, yeah, man, it's risky as hell. You know, you're gonna you're gonna shoot, you know, hundred x leverage on a on a long, and uh, then they short the market, and, and you're losing all that money, and you get completely liquidated. That's that's where a lot of the a lot of the monetary loss has been. Also, you know, besides shaking out the the weak hands that are just like getting really really scared and just dropping out of the market, but long term. You know, between the technology, uh, decentralized finance, I don't know. they're building fucking whole digital video worlds and you know nfts and yeah some really cool art. like
0: uh, augmented virtual reality. I think one's called OVR where they're overlaying a virtual world on actual real estate that you can buy. And so as you go, I'm sure that at some point they're going to have those VR goggles where you can walk through, let's say New York city, and it's going to, you're going to drop into a new world and you can actually purchase digital real estate and create something within that real estate that you really want. And so it's this geo located virtual reality that we're creating, which is quite fascinating. Let's, let's widen the lens out a little bit on where the future's headed and this technology because it's kind of trippy i don't know if anybody's seen ready player one i love that movie but it seems like we're getting to a place where we are almost like bound to get you know intertwined and plugged into technology it's it's already such an integral part of our lives obviously we're 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 a form of cyborg having access to our our phone which is a, a basically a window into infinite information and potential which is basically like the physical manifestation of what consciousness is at the palm of our hands. And it's very fascinating to see how that's kind of affected our, you know, our, our, our human society and race. And it's, it's created this opportunity for this, this kind of mass collective awakening because of the access to to information, but also a ton of misinformation. And when you have access to infinite you know, information. And then the algorithms are start, start creating this confirmation bias that they keep feeding you the stuff you want to see. It almost creates this narrow vision of what reality is, which is what's creating a lot of the division within our culture and society. So let's widen the lens out and talk a little bit about Where we're headed as a culture, as a society, as a species, especially with all these existential crises, we're talking about like the financial markets is definitely one aspect, one arm of this massive shift that is taking place. But it's just one of of many things that are happening ecologically, the government systems, obviously outdated, moving too slow for a technologically advanced society, Uh, social unrest, all of these things that are kind of happening and shaking the world to its core. What do you guys think is really going to happen, you know, moving forward? Bigger picture,
1: Larry. Well, oh, um, that, that's 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 a tough one, <laughs> um, you know, because it's. I feel like nowadays it's so hard to even project what reality is a year down the road. Like I remember in business, you would make a five-year plan of you know where you think the business would be and project your financials five years down the road. And I think the speed of innovation that's happening right now in the world is fuck man how do we even project 6 months down the road like we're seeing so much change happen in such a short period of time so it's it's very difficult to project that out i just think that we are you're starting to see the shaking of the foundation of people who are protecting old asset classes. And so a lot of that, they they have a lot of wealth, they have a lot of power, they own the media companies. So they can create narratives to completely disrupt this change. So it's hard to really project where we're going to be because we're in the midst of a battle, the way I look at it. And how the other side decides to fight this battle is going to totally change the narrative in the next coming years.
0: Your perspective, Mikey. Hello? Are you muted? Oh, he's muted. Were you going to the bathroom? Muted. He was going yeah, going to the I'll bathroom.
2: Be back <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you give me your perspective and I'll come back with
0: Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so what are we talking about? Let's talk about there's there it does seem like there is this this battle, right? And it's ba- it's a battle for the minds and the hearts of, of people, right? And it almost, you kind of wind that lens out. It, it, it seems to me that there is this, this spiritual component, the spiritual battle of people's souls, right? And the energy and the essence of who we are individually and giving that power away to these these power sources that have been in control for so long. And right now we're going through this shift where it's becoming pretty apparent and obvious that there is a narrative that's being pushed and I think the beautiful thing about that is you look at the narrative and you, you it's easy if you're not connected with other people and having these types of conversations to think, fuck, the world is like, it's getting really bad. It, and it—it and it, there is a certain truth to that, but the reality is that it's getting so bad in such an obvious way that a lot of people are waking up to it. And so I truly believe there is this revolution at, at hand that is happening. And I've, you know, I know you guys know, like, I look out in the world and I'm very optimistic because I see so many people starting to question the narrative, question their own reality, question their stories. And what does it mean to wake up? It means to have an awareness that you are the creator of your own reality, taking that power back, not giving it to a fictitious government that is just a story that literally is in existence because we give it power as a population. And it's almost like we're at this point where the government can kind of feel it's, it's, it's losing its grips. And so it's creating all this narrative and pushback to try and keep itself alive, and so it's, it's we're in really fascinating times as a species, as a world, as a planet, as an individual, as a you know a spirit and a soul. It's just very very fascinating to see what's going to play out in the next five years, ten years, twenty years. We got two Michael Ricardis on online here. He just joined,
1: <laughs> and we as humans are decentralized. That is our natural programming as beings. We are decentralized and we've been forced into a system that has, um, the control of our collective minds at interest. But you know, that's, that's why that's the, that's the fight we're fighting for our souls. And yes, this is just a tool that we're using to fight for our souls, but realistically we are decentralized. We're not meant to be controlled and that's what we're fighting for.
2: Oh yeah. I agree. All right. I'm in. Look at that
1: handsome man. <laughs> <laughs> We're in
2: scrubs. Back in the office, ready to go. I agree, man. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. We're in the battle. battle for our autonomy, our sovereignty. Uh, are we going to be, you know, kowtowing to everything that the government says, the banking system says? Uh are we gonna be able to use our finances the way we want to use it? And you know. And what are you gonna do? Like what what do we do if, if the US shuts us down? Like do we do we stay? Like what do we leave? Do we go find somebody someplace else that that allows us our all, all sovereignty and our auto, autonomy? Like these are like these are questions that I've been thinking about a lot, you know? Like what if the I mean, dealing with a lot of these lockdowns and all the crazy stuff with uh with with COVID and listen, we all
0: love the conspiracy theories, right? I know Joe loves conspiracy theories. Yeah, I, I mean, there's so many of them out there. They, 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 they're just looking at reality and what we've created. Like, for example, one one simple thing is the education system. And it has become so obviously apparent that that system is broken, outdated, and not actually teaching humans how to interact with reality, how to empower them. And you look at that and you say, "Well, why is financial literacy and emotional intelligence not taught in school?" What's what is the deeper narrative? I don't know, but and I think a lot of people, they look to conspiracy theories because there's this need for certainty as, human, as being a human. is like, I want to know. And so I think the problem is people attach to these different stories as truth. But I think you need to keep that inner skeptic alive and be curious and question. And I look at all the conspiracy theories. I don't know what's true, what's not true, because there's infinite experiences and stories happening simultaneously right now. There's no possible way for me to know. But I do know that something is going on and it, it, they don't have our best interest in heart because you look at just kind of the collective story and narrative that's being put into place, it's becoming very apparent. And I think it's becoming very apparent for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, man. I agree. I agree. It's, it's, uh, you know, and I try to look at it like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily believe anything, but I, I look at how things are playing out from my own experience. And, uh, yeah, I'm preparing myself for kind of anything. And I know that blockchain and crypto and decentralization is part of my sovereignty and autonomy and freedom. And uh, it's going to be part of a lot of people's sovereignty, autonomy and freedom from people in the Western world to people in you know, the Africa and, and Asia and India and people who are unbanked in Latin America. It's going to change people's lives. There's no doubt there's no doubt. And I think, you know, there's one thing that we have, right? We have numbers, right? We have numbers. And when it comes to like the the financial institutions getting involved, like what happens if they got involved and then they weren't involved? Like, would we let crypto die? I don't know. I don't think I would let crypto die if the financial institutions I'd be like, all right, fuck you. I'm still going to, I'm still going to participate in decentralized finance and the NFT world and Digital video worlds and uh, all these other smart contracts and blockchain technologies—I
1: don't know—but that's what's so inspiring about what's been happening in the stock market with um, the, you know, meme stocks, as I call it. What's inspiring is to see that there is now this uprising of people—real retail investors, people who have gotten tired of being fucked over by institutions that are now in the case of like GameStop, AMC and all these other, um, you know, companies is that now they're squeezing the shorts. They're, they're, they're taking the machine that has made people hyper wealthy and they're turning it against them. And that's the thing that's inspiring to me is to know that there is the potentiality for us as beings to organize and actually flip the game board because that's what needs to happen. It's time. You know, I think all of us are are tired of being controlled. And the thing is, is that the control used to be a lot more subtle back in the day. um, You know, it used to be a lot more subtle. We wouldn't really see what happens behind the scenes in politics. And they're a lot more smooth about passing policy that didn't serve our best interest. But what's interesting about today's times is that now everything's recorded. And these people who are supposed to represent us are Absolutely, just Won't robbing us in blind. Of their ass. <laughs> but they're, they're robbing not- us in blind daylight. They're not even trying to hide the fact that they're they're not in our best interest. They there used to be a little bit of couth that existed where they they would say one thing and do another. And now I think what we're seeing is a lot of these politicians are just they don't care anymore they are not they're so obviously not serving our interests so what is the next option how can we opt out of the system and create something that's managed by people mm. and that's the bigger you know message I see and hopefully blockchain and everything else is the the foundation that that makes that happen but a shift does need to occur because all of us are very disenfranchised mm. I don't feel very well represented.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that you go back to the base foundation of what what was the government in the U S created for It's created for the people by the people, literally the government agencies are employed by us, the people. And we've gotten to a point where we're born into the system. And we, a lot of us, I mean, including me, like, I'm scared of the government. I'm scared of the power that it has. I get pulled over by, by a cop, but it's like, okay, what did I do wrong? It's like, and I'm literally through my tax paying dollars, like paying for all of them. And so it's this this power dynamic that is, I think the founding fathers were trying to protect from, right? Just getting back into reading the constitution is it was to protect the people and keep the power in the people so that they can lead themselves and have, you know, democracy to help provide input into how the government is being run. And the government is so powerful. I don't know if that's because the system's gotten so big and the population's gotten so big and it's kind of gotten out of whack, but the, 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 the initial premise of the government is for the people is is we're definitely shifting out of that. I think we have been for a while, but it's becoming very, very obvious in the times that we live in that the the, the government is very, very, very powerful.
1: And we have ca- career politicians. And I'm sorry, Mike, but just I just want to touch on one point: is that originally the system was designed for you know if I was a postal worker, I will serve in Congress for a period of time, and then when I stop serving, I get out and I go back to my regular job. We're in the era of career politicians. So it, it, it has been a major shift.
0: Yeah, it's just a popularity contest, right?
2: I don't even know if it's a popularity contest. I think it's a manipulation contest. And these people hmm. are manipulating the public around them in order to get four more years or two more years or, or, or whatever it is. And it's not, a, it's not a government that represents the people anymore. I think it's government that represents the corporations. I don't think that people have any, any, any representation whatsoever. And the few politicians that do look out for the people, I think a lot of them will get swayed over time into, into just conforming to, to the rest of the game, unfortunately. It's crazy. And I think that, you know, you brought up the cops, but the cops are not the cops that are, it's the politicians that are a problem, man. The cops are just the pawns in the game of chess, just like we're the pawns in the game of chess, yeah, yeah. you know? They've been manipulated by the system, just like we've been manipulated by the system. And it's kind of unfortunate, and you're right. It's 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 damn scary when you see the the system that we're in, the two party system that are manipulating everything in order to get re you know voted back into power. Um, it's it's scary. I I don't feel represented. I don't feel represented at all. To be honest, I, I don't. I know a lot of people that don't feel
1: represented. So the big thing is for me personally is. How do I focus on that which I have control over? So circling back to you know crypto and what we're doing in this space is okay, so we don't feel represented. And at the same time, there's not much of a chance of us actually changing the institution. So, what can we do as individuals and as a collective to harness our own individual power and focus on the things that we do have control over? You know, and I think that when we look at what we're doing in this space, investing in projects that are going to completely shift the power dynamic. That's where that's where we regain our power. That's where we as a collective have the ability to flip the game board.
0: Yeah. And I want to say like how cool it is to look at. I'm really inspired by there's a lot of really smart people focusing on these bigger issues, these bigger problems. And, you know, talk about politics. I think over the last few decades, I don't know how long, I think really smart individual leaders, you know, are getting way more into entrepreneurship than wanting to go into the political system to really make a difference. They realize in order to really make a difference, I'm going to have to create something that's going to have an impact and create it through that way. Cause the, the model of like, I want to make the world a better place. I'm going to go be a politician. It's like almost to even get to a point where you have any power to make a difference. Cause you have this like gung ho spirit of like, I want to make, you have to play the system to get to a point. And by that time you're so program manipulated, you don't even know who you are anymore. And you're kind of in the system trying to, it's just really fascinating what we've created. And I think it's and how it plays out I have no idea but I see these people really smart people that are focused and and understand the existential risk and 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 crisis that we're facing as a humanity on this planet all of this wide variety of things that we're dealing with and they're showing up and they're trying to make a difference they're being more outspoken about it and so does the does the government kind of kind of fall on these actual leaders who are at, actually earn the right to lead because they're showing up kind of step into the role of leading the people, leading their communities, rather than just giving our power to these people that are just like, a, you know, they're manipulating their way into power. We don't really have any agency over who's there. This, this idea of like voting in the person, like even this last thing, like obviously that's all manipulated as well. Like there's, there's no way that we our individual vote really has power to shift the, the system.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I, and I think, all right, where do you get your power from again? Where, where, where are we spending our money, right? Investing in blockchain technology, investing in decentralization. Uh, you know, where are you living? Like, where, where are you going to live? Are you going to live in a state that's controlling you or are you going to move to a state that's, that as, gives you more freedom? Or a uh, country. Or a country, yeah. I mean, if it comes down to that, it comes down mm-hmm. to that, seriously. And, you know, it's kind of scary. I was, I was having once with two of my students today and one's from the Philippines and one's from Guatemala and we're talking about uh peru peru's i don't know if you know but peru is had an election on sunday and there's a really 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 close race between their party of the right and the party of the left and the party of the left is like super socialist like you know lenin castro you know che guevara socialist and uh you know you He's winning the race right now by a small percentage, but, you know, it's, uh, it's a very, very tenuous situation. That's how a lot of the Latin American countries are, too, uh, where, you know, people might lose a lot of their freedoms. You know, uh, it's 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 kind of scary. I mean, for me, you know, my freedom and autonomy is like the top priority of my life. Like, I don't, it's why I have my own business, (laughs) you know, uh, that's why I can't necessarily work for anybody. Like it's, I need to, I need to have my freedom. And so the, having the thought of losing my freedom scares the shit out of me. And, uh, yeah. And if I, if I can't live in a country with freedom, where, where will I live? You know, what's the next, what's the next
0: space? Yeah, I know we've been talking for a while, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of wrap it up with this final question of of uh, what we think is gonna happen. But I do want to uh, uh, say, um, and I didn't tell the ask the guys about this, but for the premium members of the podcast, we're gonna do an extended episode, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about our favorite coins, not financial advice. But if you are a premium member, stick around. We're going to we're going to talk about our favorite coins and maybe a little bit more how-to in our own story of how we got involved and in some of the lessons that we've learned in this short time that we've been in this space. Um if you're not a premium member, it's just $7 a month to support this podcast. You can extended episodes plus a lot of other uh, added value. If you feel called to support the podcast in that way, there's a link in the show notes. It's really simple. A couple clicks, $7 a month, and there's a, a discounted yearly rate. You get access to these extended episodes. I've um, been doing them regularly and a lot of value added at the last, the last moments. And if you don't feel called to support the podcast financially, uh, you can you know support it free by just taking a few seconds right now, leaving a five-star review that goes a long way in helping grow the audience and and, and improve uh, the, the ratings, uh, the algorithms. I don't really know how it works, all the things that we're talking about that control us, uh, but it would really help <laughs> if you left a review, if, if this resonated with you or you think somebody else might uh, be impacted by it. Another way to support the podcast would be to share this um, on social or with friends directly uh, and get them kind of into the crypto craze. Um, but the final question, uh, for the podcast, and I kind of want to get your perspective because this is what I've been dancing with. It's 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 um, it's we talked about. It. It's obvious that there's this big shift happening, not just financially, socially, you know, individually, um, economically, you know, ecologically. All these things that we're facing. Do we go to a point like is it going to be a smooth transition where kind of enough people wake up, enough people in power wake up, and we kind of we, we're able to navigate this transition that's you know happening right before our eyes, or is it going to be this kind of crash? burning of the Phoenix, chaotic times that we're going to have to navigate and really survive? Does it get to a point where it's really like kind of a frightening place to live? And all the stories that we've created are kind of out the window because it's like, you know, the system is really fragile. It's what we've, I've been a, a part of a few different things and we we kind of go through our everyday life taking a lot of this stuff for granted. And I think it is very fragile and, and, and one little thing could happen and we're facing multiple things that are transitioning. So what are your guys' perspective? We'll go with Larry first on You know, what do you think is going to happen during this kind of collective transition? Is it going to be a chaotic time? How do we navigate it?
1: So will it be smooth? Well, no, if you look at things in the short term, because yeah, volatility exists and it's being ramped up right now in the world that we live in because technology and the availability of information is changing things very quickly. So going back to what we were talking about before is it may look volatile in the short term. As we are going through all these changes, there's all these narratives that keep being created. We see fluctuations in our income. All this stuff is short-term volatile, but zoom out, zoom out. When you start looking at all that volatility, you start to see all it is, is this upward incline. So realistically, yes, it's volatile in the short term, but we are 100% still going in the right direction. And I am an eternal optimist. And I do believe that we as a collective are going to change the world that we live in. And I'm excited. And I'm going to hold all of your hands, my brothers and sisters, as we do this together. Buckle
0: up. It's going to be one hell of a ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Dr. Mike? How do you feel this, this transition we're going through is going to, uh, going to take place? And, and how do we navigate it uh, with grace, I guess?
2: Yeah. I mean, I have a recurring dream that uh, I go into battle with my friends, my comrades, my, I don't know, my, my, my crew and uh, we're fighting to the death and I know it's going to end. And I just like, just let go and, and just accept whatever's going to be. And I literally, I mean, I've had that dream like five times. Listen, I hope it doesn't come down to like me in hand-to-hand battle with like, you know, troops or something like that. Like
0: one over. hell of a ride to do that. <laughs>
2: like, like fighting for freedom. I mean, it would be one hell of a ride. Uh, you know, it's but crazy like, though because <laughs>
0: you look back at history and you and you think like, that's how it's been all of human history. Though there's been hand-to-hand combat, battles, powers that be, and the population. It's it's a tale as old as time. So it's it's almost ignorant for us to think that it, it. it it's not going to come to that. I'm not saying that that's a certainty, but it's definitely a possibility.
2: Yeah. You know, and I look at the, uh, the Bhagavad Gita that that moment with, uh, Krishna and Arjuna
0: standing there overlooking the
2: battlefield. And Arjuna has the, you know, that, that moment of doubt, like, how can I go and fight these people there? You know, I grew up with them. My family is on the other side. My cousins are on the other side. And, uh, you know, this is just the game, right? Like this is the game that we're playing and we got to see how it plays out and play the best that we possibly possibly can and and do our duty and live within our, our own personal integrity. And I don't know how it's going to end up, you know, uh, but I'm going to play the game with as much integrity as possible. And I know in the end, you know, at some point I'm going to pass from this life and I'm going to live to play another game. Uh, and like Larry said, that's the ultimate zoom out, right? Like it's, uh,
1: <laughs> oh, your me- mega zoom out. That's yeah.
2: the 5 I'm, DMT
0: I'm, zoom out.
2: I'm, I, you know, but I do, I do the mega zoom out a lot. It's like, all right, like, you know, someday I'm going to go down, right? Like it's, it's, it's inevitable. I'm going to go down and I'm like, how am I, you know, how is that going to happen? And, uh, it's, it's going to go looking, looking it straight in the face and accepting whatever that reality is going to look like and there will be something on the other end of that just like there will be something on the other end of this and uh you know all change comes with with you know some discomfort i hate to bring a cheesy saying in there but like yeah it's not going to be comfortable for a little while and hopefully it's as as graceful and peaceful as possible but there's going to be some some things that are going to be torn down for sure
0: yeah yeah I love that you talked about the Bhagavad Gita because when you before you said it I was literally popped into my mind it's and that if you haven't read that book it's it's really a powerful spiritual text and and the deeper uh, metaphor of it all is you know whether you're going to battle or you decide not to like it's your duty it's the game that you decided to play if you zoom out into this experience as a whole humanity as an energy on this planet we are in this game it's and, and let's play it to the best of our ability, be, be in alignment, be integrity, start understanding who you are on a deeper level. And I'm reading this book right now and it's really quite potent is only fear dies, right? And so if we can play the game and it reminds me of the Bhagavad Gita, it's the fear of making the wrong choice or the fear that keeps us from living fully. And so if there is this, this chaotic time, this, this end worlds thing that we have to navigate I think a big thing is finding community to support you through that is very important. But to know like, if it happens, like, go live the game, go play the game, go survive, go do your thing. And when it comes to an end, realize that the game is infinite. And it might not be in the same experience, the same iteration of time, the same ego construct, personality, but the energy of who you are, I promise... Is going to continue on. You are connected to something way greater than yourself, and I think it does come back to this this spiritual path to navigate these times. You have to really start going inward and figuring out who you are and 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 how you want to live this game uh, before you can really navigate it. Because it, it, a lot of it's out of our control, but
1: control your controllables. But that that's the that that is the ultimate ultimate zoom out because we've been taught to be individualistic, but realistically is we do have to zoom out and say, okay, me and my needs as an individual, like, fuck all that. Like, what am I in the collective? What am I doing for my community? What am I doing for my state? What am I doing for my country? What am I doing for the world? What am I doing in the intergalactic plane? You know, I mean, we do need to really consider, you know, that is, if we can just get out of our own minds and out of our own selves, that we do need to, once again, zoom out. Zoom out. It's not Full just... Full Here
0: we go. Yes. Yeah. And showing up and being of service to something greater than yourself will help you navigate anything because it, you can tap into an energy when you're showing up and really wanting to, to, to make the world a better place, be of service, no matter what it is, really trying to make a change in your own life and the people that you love through the presence that you embody. That's really how you can navigate any situation. And that's really what, you know, it's so funny look out in the world and, and, and especially our country, like we value freedom so much, but you know, I ask you, if you're listening to this, how free are you really? Because the only freedom is the internal freedom, the mental freedom, the ability to live in a state of equanimity and joy in any given circumstance and navigate life with this presence. And, and it doesn't mean it's not going to be challenging. It's not gonna be hard, but if you can navigate it, um, you know with this with this grace and this understanding that it's all a part of the experience of being human uh really can help you navigate navigate anything and i really appreciate larry mike going on this journey with you we're going to make a fuck ton of money i'm telling you what we're going to the moon and for you premium members stick around we're going to talk about our favorite altcoins some of the lessons we've learned in the market so far and hopefully we can make some money together if you enjoyed this podcast i would love to hear from you i know it's kind of a a, a unique podcast but if you liked uh, larry and, and mike's you know, perspective and us talking about crypto and some of this other stuff, let me know, reach out to me. I'd love to do some more of these. If you're watching it on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe. If this is something you would like us to create, maybe like a YouTube weekly channel, and we could just get on here and talk about crypto and life and all those other things. I think that'd be a lot of fun too. Let me know. I'm totally open to making content that really resonates with you guys. I really appreciate the support, listening, Uh, share this with your friends,
1: leave a review, and for your premium, premium members, stick around. Any final words, Larry? Um, Seven dollars is a very modest investment for the advice that people are about to get. Love it, Mike. Any final words of advice? Our
0: wisdom, <laughs> our knowledge, our experience.
2: You know, I like. I think. I think the the quote of the day is from Larry: "Zoom the fuck out." Mm. Zoom, out. Zoom and out. out. let me just add something. In in, in shamanism, you deal with. You deal with scale right like if you're feeling very small you make yourself big you know if something you feel is bigger than you you make yourself bigger than that thing right like if something is bothering you that's that's local you make yourself national something that's bothering you that's national you make yourself global if you're seeing an issue global you make yourself universal and uh yeah that's the ultimate zoom out so zoom uh-huh. out.
0: I love it. Zoom out and zoom in to support the podcast financially for $7 a month. If you're not, you're going to miss out on some amazing extended content. We're about to dive deep into some real, real dirty altcoins. We'll probably stay away from them. We don't want anybody to get get sick. I appreciate you all. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Until next time. Peace.